0: wrap up um, our series that we've been walking week by week, chapter by chapter, through the book of Galatians, a a letter written by the Apostle Paul uh, to a group of believers in the region of Galatia. And we've kind of discovered kind of his thesis of this whole book is all about freedom, what true freedom really is. And we've seen that uh, people-pleasing, that's not going to give us real freedom, and we've, we've seen that following just rules and religious systems, that's not going to lead us to real freedom. And last weekend, we talked about the battle and, and, and gratifying our own sinful desires. That's not going to bring us the freedom that we all long for. Paul's whole thesis of this entire book is that the only pathway to real freedom is only through Jesus. And this weekend, as we come to chapter 6, the last chapter of this powerful letter, uh, Paul's going to take us a step further and to help us understand how we can actually help each other stay on the path that leads to true freedom. And so I want to dive in in chapter 6, beginning in verse 1 and following. And here's what Paul continues to write to the Galatians and to us. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome... By some sin, he says, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful, he says, to not fall into the same temptation yourself. He says, share each other's burdens, and in this way you obey the law of Christ. He says, if you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourselves. You are not that important. <laughs> don't you just love Paul's just bluntness there? Like just by the way, if you don't think if you think you're too good or too important to help people, let me tell you, you aren't that important, okay? But Paul what Paul's getting at is the fact that we all get so consumed with our own lives and so inwardly focused that it's easy to forget about the needs of others around us and to care for those that are around us. And the, the fashion of care that he talks about is kind of twofold in the text. First, he says, you know, if you see another believer, hey, this is important. He's saying this to believers, for believers. This isn't about calling out people that haven't even met Jesus yet. This is about calling out fellow followers of Christ, saying, hey, what's going on, man? Uh, he, he, he's saying if you see somebody that's become overcome by sin... And they're, they're veering off the path. He says, go to them. And he says, gently and humbly bring that person back onto the right path. So it's not like a hit them, hit them hard and make them feel bad and guilt them up. No, he says, gently and humbly, the way that Jesus lived, right? He came alongside people. He spoke the truth, but he spoke the truth in love. And he helped people, tenderly guiding them back onto the right path. And that's what Paul says we, as followers of Jesus, are to do with and for one another. And then he goes on to say, and also share each other's burdens. And the idea here is not your normal, average, like, burden or load that we all have, work and kids and life. And what he's talking about is a, is a, is a burden that's, that's exceptional, that's, that's weighing you down, a burden that is certainly too much for one person to bear. Paul challenges the believers here to say... We're called to carry each other's burdens. Like, get under that burden with that person. Give them a lift. Help them out. And he says, in doing this, we're actually fulfilling the law of Christ. If there is a law, if there is a rule, he says, it's helping one another. It's helping each other get back on the right path and warning and challenging each other. And it's also bearing one another's burdens. So I wonder, uh, the question I want to pose to all of us today is, who's Jesus calling You and I to come alongside of. Who is it in your life? Who is it—a family member, a friend? Is it a co-worker? Is it a fellow student and another athlete? Who's God calling you to come alongside of? Either to to steer them back onto the right path. Maybe they, man, maybe they've gotten angry at God and they're hurting and they're mad and they're, they're just kind of going off the path, or maybe they've got sucked into the power of addiction once again and, and you're concerned for them, or maybe you see them making some choices, or maybe, the, maybe it's a person that would call themselves a Christian, and yet the, the arrogance in their life or the judgmentalism, it's, it's ruining their testimony and the testimony of Jesus. God's Word is saying, it's our responsibility to go to them and to gently and humbly lead them back onto the path of following Jesus fully? Or, or, or who's God calling you to come alongside and just lift their burden? Just last night, uh, once we got Carter settled into bed, um, some friends took us out and we, we, went, we had a late dinner. And uh, it was honestly, it was, a dis- it was a discouraging week for us, for Carter. And it just felt like a good week last week and then a hard week this week. And I reached out to some friends and they said, well, let's go out. Let's, let's, go, let's go to dinner. And we got them all settled. And, and I said, listen, I'm just telling you, I can't promise that, you know, that we're going to be fun. We're hurting. We're tired. And they just, they just sat and listened. And they made the whole evening just about us. That's weird for us. That's weird for me. But we just, we needed somebody to carry the burden with us. That's what the body of Christ does. That's what we're called to do with and for one another. And then a few verses later, Paul paints this picture that I think is so important for us to grasp, and that's why I want to spend the rest of our time beginning in verse 7. He paints this picture that... um, is significant, and it kind of piggybacks off of some of what we talked about last weekend. And he begins this way in verse 7. He says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. He's saying, listen, um, people are going to get what they have coming to them. (laughs) Don't don't worry about God's justice. He's going to take care of things for the good and for the ill, right? Uh, If somebody has something coming, they're going to get it. If somebody has something coming (laughs) because of their faithfulness, they're going to get it. And then he says these words. He says, you will always harvest what you plant. You will always harvest what you plant. He goes agricultural on us. And I don't know if we've got any farmers in the room. Um, but I, I, I love and admire farmers. Um, I know they're some of the most hardworking people <laughs> in the nation. And uh, he, he goes agricultural here. And I think, like, if we were to kind of encapsulate this and Eric came up with this. I thought it was so good. A bottom line truth. It's this, what you sow will eventually grow. Can you say that with me? What you sow will eventually grow. Say it one more time. What you sow will eventually grow. Sowing was just a a, a term for planting, okay? Spreading seeds. What you sow will eventually grow. This is an agricultural principle. We get it. If If you sow right? Corn, what, what are you going to reap? Corn, right? Yeah. If, if you plant wheat, what are you going to grow? Wheat, right? If, you, if you're a farmer and you plant watermelons, what are you going to get? Watermelon. You're going to get watermelons, right? It, I mean, it, it seems like a, well, duh, right? But do we realize that this isn't just an agricultural principle, it's a life principle. It's a soul principle. It's an eternal principle, what well, Paul is saying to the Galatians is the stuff that we plant and invest in, in our lives, is going to grow into something. It's going to have effect in our lives for the good or for the evil. And so then he continues in the text. Ralph Waldo Emerson says, put it this way. He says, sow a thought, reap an act. Sow an act, reap a habit. So a habit reap a character, sow a character reap a destiny. Paul would say amen to that, I think. And so then in the next verses, Paul tells us some of the different ways that we sow into our life and what will then grow out of that. He says, those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature, he says, will harvest decay and death from that destiny sinful nature. So we'll call these self-centered seeds. And man, it's easy to plant self-centered seeds in our life and kind of water those and you know take care of those. Why? Because it feels good, like it's taking care of me. It's, it's, it's me first. It's the, it's the Burger King tagline, have it your way, right? I mean, this isn't just something that's inside of us, but our whole culture says, hey, you deserve it. You deserve a break today. Hey, have it your way. Hey, it's all about you. And that just feeds an insatiable appetite in all of us for self. But Paul's warning the Galatians and he's warning us saying, listen, if all we do is sow seeds of selfishness, what did he say? He said, we're going to reap a harvest of destruction and death. And it might not happen immediately, But over time, things will start to crumble and fall apart when we just sow selfish seeds because what you sow will eventually grow, right? But the flip side of this principle, this agricultural principle, is true as well. He says, but those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from that Spirit. So we'll call these spirit-centered seeds. Uh, in, in opposition to the have it your way, this is saying have it your way, God. <laughs> this, is, this is not just investing in self and giving all the time and intention to what I want in the way that I want it. It's saying, God, what do you want? I'm going to sow, I'm going to plant spiritual seeds, spirit-led seeds in my life. And Paul says what we will reap are spiritual, eternal rewards. Now, this isn't talking about, hey, you got to sow a lot of good things in your life in order to make it to heaven. No, the way that we make it to heaven is because Jesus has already sowed and planted on our behalf. (laughs) But what this is saying is a principle that I mean, eternal life is not just like something off in the future. Eternal life, when you put your faith in Jesus, it begins in the here and now, and it changes our lives in the, in the today. That's why Jesus said, I pray that you might have life and have it abundantly. And it's one, we'll only experience that abundant life when we are sowing the right kind of seeds, selfless seeds, spirit-led seeds in our life. Loving each other, encouraging each other, praying for one another, serving one another. That's what it produces in our lives. So I want us to think for just a few moments to kind of get this real for all of us, how planting selfish seeds and how planting spirit seeds affects our everyday life in a few categories. It affects our relationships, for instance think about it this way. When we plant just self-centered seeds, and that's what we water and tend to uh, and care for in our life is just self. In our relationships, what does that lead to? What do we reap? What grows out of that is pride, anger, jealousy, bitterness, leads to gossip, and conditional love. Like, I'll love you as long as, right? Because it's it's really a self-centered love that we're investing into. Now the opposite is true. If we if we plant spirit-centered seeds in our lives, we're going to reap a totally different kind of life, a different kind of harvest. We're going to we're going to see humility starting to to come to the surface in our relationships. We'll start to develop a greater patience. Remember the fruit of God's spirit that we talked about last week? is love and joy and peace and kindness and goodness and self and patience, right? That's one of them. Um, and, and we'll be more peaceful. When, when we plant spirit-centered seeds that aren't just about us, we'll have a deeper peace. Because when we make life all about us, it's hard. It's busy. It's so much energy and work, and it leads to all this frustration and jealousy, all those other things. But when we plant spirit-centered seeds, we we grow in peace and forgiveness, it leads to forgiveness. And all of our, man, don't our relationships, all of them could use a little bit more forgiveness and truthfulness. And, And it ultimately, when we're sowing and investing in the spirit, we're going to see unconditional love mark our relationships. and That's what all of us long for. Let's go to another category. Think about um, our our finances. If if we start, if we just sow self-centered seeds, what what grows from that? Well, just an insatiable appetite for more, right? <laughs> How much is enough? Just a little bit more, right? Somebody said it that way. Um, self-centered seeds. If we feed that, if we grow that, if we if we invest in that, it leads to more just stinginess. It leads to envy. It leads to leads to living above our means, and then that causes all kinds of other stressors down the road. It leads to destruction. Things start to fall apart at some point because we, you, we can't do that forever, right? But that's what happens when we sow selfishly. But when it comes to even our finances, think about when we sow spirit-centered seeds, when we're all about not have it my way, but God, have it your way. What does that lead to? It, it can lead to contentment. It can lead to greater generosity. It can lead to thankfulness and gratitude. It, can, it leads to living within our means. And then there's like this new, whole new freedom that comes when we're not a slave to debt. See, this, this principle, it's not just for the farmers. It's for every single one of us. What you sow, right? Say it with me. What you sow will eventually grow. One more category, think about even our faith in Jesus, our our spiritual journeys. When we sow self-centered seeds, it it leads to apathy. Like if we're feeling really just dry in our in our spiritual life and kind of apathetic, kind of uh ho hum, we we ought to look and kind of take inventory of our life like we talked about last week and ask ourselves, well, what are we investing in? What are we sowing in? If I'm just living my life for me, yeah, pretty quickly I'm going to become pretty empty in the spiritual tank. <laughs> when we sow self-centered seeds, it leads to judgmentalism in our faith. Like, whoa, you know, I, I've been really doing all the right things and, and keeping my act together and reading the Bible more and, I mean, I'm serving at church and, I mean, I'm very giving and stuff. And, and all of a sudden, we find ourselves looking at ourselves higher than others and judging others around us. Or it leads to feelings-based faith, right? When, when, when it's self-centered and things don't go the, the way myself would like to see them go, if that's the seeds that I'm planting in my life, well, it, then my faith is just feelings-based. And now all of a sudden, the feelings don't match you know what I thought they were going to match. And now my faith has just fallen apart. Or we treat God like a genie <laughs> when we plant self-centered seed, oh, I didn't get what I wanted, or God didn't act the way that I thought that He should. And, and uh, yeah. And, and, and we live a, a "my-will-be-done" kind of life in our spiritual journey, and that's in complete opposition to the life that Jesus wants us to experience. It's not about my will, it's about his will. Because what we'll discover over time is that his will actually is greater and more fulfilling than the will that we could create for our own lives. And so that's why when we start to plant spirit-centered seeds in our life, even when it comes to our spiritual journey, our faith, um, what what does it grow? What grows out of spirit-centered seeds? Well, discipline instead of apathy and grace for others, instead of judgmentalism. And we become truly faith-based, that's, that's immovable, despite the feelings and the circumstances. And, and we relate to God as a father instead of treating him like a genie for me, right? And, and instead of your, my will be done, it goes to your will be done. Not have it your way, but have it your way. And Paul's saying, listen, listen, What we sow will eventually grow. So what do we want our lives to really look like? Where do we want our lives to really go? That's going to be determined in large part by what we're sowing, what we're planting in our life on a daily basis. And it's why Paul says, I know this is not easy. (laughs) It's not easy, is it? It's not easy to stay on track. It's not easy to to fight our own selfishness. And it's why Paul says what he says next in verse 9. He says, so let's not get tired. Anybody tired? (laughs) Yeah. He says, and especially, let's not get tired of doing what is good. He says, for at the right time, he says, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up on our son, on Carter, on our particular situation, on our particular battle. Some days I want to. I'm not going to give up. You you cannot give up. Your life is too important. Your life means too much to God and to others. He wants to use you and I in this world in profound and simple ways. But that won't happen if we sow and sow and sow to self. It only happens when we invest, sow, plant the things in God's Spirit, in our spirits, and then we'll start to reap a harvest. He says, listen, don't give up. <laughs> I love what Tim Keller says. He says, new farmers will experience a lot of anxiety watching the dormant seed for weeks. And it feels like it will never come up, but he says, but it always comes up in the end. I have a couple friends that are farmers and man, it's, it's, it's amazing to watch the ebb and flow and, and, you know, I'll, I'll see them around harvest time or I'll see them midsummer and say, How's it going? And, man, I, I know it's been kind of dry. And but they're feeling it. Just at the absolute mercy of God. And there's anxious times and there's heavy times and there's worrisome times. But in the end, the harvest comes, it always comes up. And Paul's challenging the Galatians. Listen, what you sow in your life is eventually going to grow, and that eventually sometimes seems like a long eventually, doesn't it? And that's why he says, so don't give up. Just don't give up. And then in Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, he says, therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, he says, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith it 's like you know he 's just talked about the fruitfulness of our life and, and what we 're going to sow in our life and how that 's going to grow, and what he 's getting at here is that what we grow it 's not just for us. think about the farmers I mean they, they have these crops, but it 's not just to fill their table it 's to fill our tables it 's to to share well, well I mean we pay for it, but but it's it's for the sake of others that aren't farmers. And the same is true of your life and my life. The spiritual fruit that God wants to grow out of our lives when we we plant into the Spirit instead of to the self, it's not just going to feed us. It's going to feed others. It's going to be there for others. It's going to do something, offer something for other people that desperately need it. That They don't even know Jesus yet. They don't have The spirit, they are just completely centered on self and they don't know how to get out of that cycle. But that's why God has placed you where you are, in your family, in your workplace, at your school, at the gym, in your world, whatever that world looks like. But that will only come to fruition when we sow into God's spirit. Spiritual seeds in our lives. And so I want to finish this letter to us the way that the Apostle Paul finished his letter. He finishes verse 14 and 15 following. He says, As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, Because of that cross, my interest in this world, it's been crucified. And the world's interest in me has also died. He says, it doesn't matter whether we've been circumcised or not. He says, what counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. And then he finishes his entire letter with these words. Would you read the yellow part with me? May God's peace and mercy be upon all who live by this principle. They are the new people of God. From now on, he says, don't let anyone trouble me with these things, for I bear on my body the scars that I show that I belong to Jesus. He says, dear brothers and sisters, and let's pronounce this over one another, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Let me pray for us. God, thank you.